so yeah, it's it's exactly as preachy as it sounds. Uh, I go and knock on people's doors and say, hey, have you heard the word about unity? And a lot of the time they say, yes, unity, we know and love. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Research VR, where we dig deep beyond the realms of virtual reality. Now we are still at the, the agility as at the previous episode, and we have today two special guests. One of them is Dominic Escoffier, who you know from previous episodes. He works for NVIDIA. Hello, Dominic. Hey. And we have Josh Nail from Unity. We all know and love. Hello. Hello. Yeah, it's a cheesy line. We have been working for two and a half hours. That's great. And I will put it in the beginning. Now, um, maybe both of you can quickly introduce yourself. You, Dominic, have been already quite a few times here. But maybe quickly what you're doing. So I'm heading up the virtual reality business for NVIDIA in the EMEA E region. So that's Europe, Middle East, Africa, and India. Um, I'm also a huge virtual reality enthusiast. So I've been um, involved in the community for a long time. I truly believe that, um, that virtual reality is not only going to be the next computing platform, but it's actually going to change people's lives for, the, for what I think for the better. Mm -hmm. And you? I'm Josh Naylor. I'm a senior technical evangelist at Unity. And it's exactly as preachy as it sounds. So I basically go knock on people's doors and saying, hey, have you heard the word, the word about Unity? <laughs> uh, speak at conferences, deliver training, any technical resource that people need. I'm kind of the guy that's uh, traveling around. And one of my specialties in my region is, is VR and AR. So I'm the guy that my team sends to, to do that. And as just a few days ago, I now lead the EMEA evangelism. That is so cool, by the way. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. Really nice. Do, do you feel like a missionary sometimes knocking on people's doors? Like literally, do you have five minutes to talk about virtual reality? About unity and God. <laughs> <laughs> David Helgeson is God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I see. <laughs> That's right. Now, coming back where we are, we just announced the winners of the hackathon. We have been here helping out, especially you, Josh. Um, And what definitely uh, was astonishing is how much motivation the people who came for the hackathon to spend their free time, you know, just building projects had. What did you find um, personally like one of the best experiences here developed? Uh, for me, uh, it was an amazing uh, project done with Vive Trackers, oh. where the guy came who'd never had any experience with development before, but he had a, a cool idea. He brought his kids like rocking horse with him with this huge like coil spring that he would find at a park. And he's like, hey, I need some developers to make something cool with this. Which kind of park you find them? You mean like they're station? All over, they're all over like, like, like kid, kid parks ah, in the okay. UK. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe that you maybe don't have them in Germany. But no, actually we do. We do? They, okay. they, they are, well, what, I'm not what I remember from my youth, which okay. is of course 25 years ago. Yeah, they are pretty popular. That looked like a very good experience. I haven't so had that. So they made this awesome thing where you ride a dragon. A dragon? And you're swerving left and right and going forward on this little rocking horse spring yeah. thing. So. And there are also really nice touch to this experience by having some kind of voice artist they used, right? That was telling you, oh, the dragon, you need to go lower with it. And there are some kind of castle, whatever. It was like Yeah, it's a very story. immersive effect, yes. having a nice uh, voiceover instead of yeah. tutorials, like text-based. I really enjoyed that part because it kind of made me even more immersed. And I was like kind of leaning, leaning forward and like, wish like a plane, you know. It was very, very exciting. And the fact that the guy just have no experience, 
developing proof once again that those hackathons are a great opportunity to just find people who maybe not have an idea but can develop and people who don't have developing skills but have a great idea. So whoever out there has an idea or can develop, go to hackathons, support your local community and make it awesome. Yep. So you have been coming around a lot of events, both of you, yeah, like obviously trying to promote what you're working for, but also trying to promote the community and the spirit. And where do you see right now from the perspective of three years ago, two years ago, and now and in the future, the VR community, particularly in Europe, going? We had this topic of Europe and VR in this podcast quite often. And we used to have a podcast called The Glass Ceiling, where we kind of were very pessimistic. Nothing amazing can happen in Europe. Everything else happens abroad. But I think it's changing, right? I, I definitely think it's changing. So looking at things like Digility, where, where it grew from last year, um, there's now, I think last year they had seven exhibitors. Now it's 60. So they, they, they have almost 10 times as many, as many exhibitors. The talks are great. There's, there's a good, just a good spirit at these, at these places. And at uh, Digility especially, you see a lot of B2B applications, which I think are going to drive the market uh, in, in Europe beyond the consumer space. Yeah. What does the Unity expert who's mainly used for gaming, I assume, thinks about that? Yeah, I mean, my, my talk uh, actually touched on that, where so many people are kind of scared of the word game engine. Think, oh, we're not a game company. Uh, we're 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 very serious. We're in in industry B two B, but so many people in the last three years, especially, uh, are moving over to Unity for these type of applications. Like walking around the show floor here, I saw a paragliding VR example, and it was made in Unity. Uh, some amazing, amazing stuff. And again, people are kind of realizing that this real time interactive technology, which are game engines. Uh, the way forward for developing VR and AR. Yeah, Unity is a great is a great tool to get into into virtual reality um, development. So, like you said, even if you're even if you've never touched any 3D um, game design before, then you're still um, able to just jump in really quickly and do something do something um, just by using a an existing set of tools, which is easy to which is easy to use. And also, there's there's things like um, SDKs that help with that. Yeah. So just just plugging uh, Nvidia here for a second. Um, we are uh, delivering VRWorks, the VRWorks SDK in Unity, which is gonna so it's gonna be mainlined, and that also will help developers um, either coming from a traditional gaming background where the performance demand is high, but not as high as for virtual reality, mm -hmm. um, but also people who've never who've never tried anything like that before. The more stumbling blocks we can get out of the way for these developers by giving them access to, to a cool tool set like Unity or giving them access to uh, SDKs like VRWorks, that's really, really helpful. Yeah, definitely. And, and so many different companies who are technically rivals or mm -hmm. competition, they're coming together to, to be in the same space. Yeah. If you look at what engines are doing, they're yes. both our Unity and Unreal are kind of coming together and supporting the same platforms and hardware manufacturers are coming together and having the same kind of like default principles uh, and mobile VR as well is, is still being pushed mm, now a lot by big companies. Now, particularly in business and science, mm, you have one issue with VR and that, that currently the pace of change is too fast. Like, let's say you start to develop a business application, you need to certify it, whatever, or you're done, but the headset already out of date, there are better headsets, maybe you should have updated something and you go over the process again. And the same happens sometimes in science too, because you kind of start something, you get hardware, you don't have unlimited budgets, you kind of stick to it, and then you stick for it to 20 years. So 
would you say that we reached a point where you can just go to a store and there are certain VR systems already in, on the shelves in store and just buy them and be happy? Or would you still kind of, you know, be this guy who figures around certain hardware specs and need to figure things and see, okay, do I buy the next HTC Vive now or do I wait? What was our like lighthouse trackers? So you just mentioned the oh, we mentioned the controllers previously that the Vive just sent out those prototypes, right? The knuckle controllers. So are we in the state where people who are not as much in love with VR as we can already start working on it? Yeah, we're in a very privileged position, even just to be here at this expo, right? That's for sure. Yeah, we're seeing cutting edge technology. We're, we work in the space where we're getting sent hardware like every month. Uh, to play with and to interact with. I take my hardware home to my family and I showed my mum like a, a Gear VR 360 image. She was like, wow, this is amazing. And then the next time I showed her a 360 video, like, whoa, I cannot believe that you can do stuff like this. And then I took home my Oculus and Vive and the HoloLens and absolutely blows mm -hmm. consumers' minds, right? Mm -hmm. Because they yeah. just have no awareness of what's been happening over the past That's also four or five years. But it's getting more 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 common for people to understand yeah. what that is. Like with the instructions like Pokemon Go, for example. Yeah. People on the street know now what the term AR means. Mm -hmm. And a year and a half ago that wouldn't sure. be in, in people's vocabulary. And Apple also pushing right now the AR kit, right? So maybe even more people will develop for augmented reality and, you know, be kinda of aware of it. What's your perspective on the state? Are we like ready in something where you just buy hardware and Work with it, Dominic, or you should still kind of yeah. be, you know, I mean, I mean out. We are in a pretty in a pretty good position right now, where you can essentially go to a store and buy a VR-ready PC and buy a uh, buy a headset along with it, and you don't even developers especially don't even have to look out for the, the that that pace that is so fast because if if they're using Unity for example, or if they're using the VRworks SDK, um, it 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 always um it always pushes the the content. For for the developers to the headsets, so essentially they don't have to care about okay how do I how do I use this headset or that headset? What about eye tracking or input? Because all of that is done by software layers. Yeah. So essentially we're we're in a pretty good position where we can iterate quite fast on uh cont on the content side, and then if new hardware comes along, you can plug that. Essentially you can plug it in and play. Where would you say is um the fact that Unity is such a diverse platform? supporting machine um where in this whole ecosystem of different um platforms you support is the vr support core is it still distributed to those different platforms or some kind of unique vr part deep down in unity that is like playing with all like psvr gear vr or whatever or it's still like very yeah that's right different. so uh, traditionally uh, like three four years ago we we integrated every single uh different hardware's SDKs in individually and it was it was a big pain for our users because there was always yes. switching around. I remember that. Uh, but now I think it was as of four, five, four or 5.5 five, five, where work, we've worked on native integration. So you can just tick a box in the editor saying virtual mm -hmm. reality supported and that would support um, Oculus, Vive, PSVR yep. uh, and then the Google Cardboard SDK for Daydream and Google mm -hmm. Cardboard. Uh, but you still there's still like a level of abstraction for the input system so if you're using different controllers, yeah. for example. We have this problem with, then the problem with the company I work. We kind of wrote an abstraction ourselves so we kind of can support different hardware for the input stuff. Yeah, yeah. so so I the HMDs were absolutely perfect. And then, but yeah, the, the input is the next thing. 
and we're completely rewriting our input system. Mm. So if you check out the Unity roadmap, you'll you'll see that's on there. Mm, I will definitely link to it. Now, when we uh, think about the particular VR works, uh, is it an SDK? VR works SDK. VR works SDK. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we had an episode where we discussed was it Lightfield? We we tapped into a lot of different things. Yes, at that, we were at that actually geeking out a lot about we were geeking VR works. So listen it if you need to understand what it is. Basically, enhancing your VR applications. Right, it's using all kind of inbuilt GPU features just yeah. to do single pass rendering and all kind of other crazy stuff that saves you a lot of performance that you can use for precious pixels. Uh, what state of integration are you there? Like, did you or, or how did it happen? Did like Unity walk to all? NVIDIA, NVIDIA walked to Unity and they decided, okay, we'll put it together or one release some ca something that you just drag and drop in Unity and they decide we will put it in. Is there some communication between particularly those two companies but also in general between the big players? Like, you don't have to say whether you talk to each other or not. Um, yes, you talk, you both talk to each other. Sometimes. this podcast, I catch you, but like, are the big players talking to each other, like trying to integrate, sharing with each other some kind of early betas so they can integrate it in the other early betas? Or Yeah, they, they are all the big companies. Um, right now, and that's actually one of the things I love so much about the VR industry is everybody's just trying to grow the grow the cake, and then as long as the cake is going to be big, the individual pieces are going to yep. be bigger as well. So right now we're in a state where, of course, Nvidia and and, and Unity are talking all the time about uh, feature roadmaps. We're aligning our strategies. Um, I mean, Unity is one of the biggest players in the in the in the in the real time engine um, space. So not working with them would would probably be just uh would, would probably be just hindering the whole um the whole advancement of the of the industry in mm. general yeah it's very interesting how easy it is for developers to use vr works uh if they're using unity uh 5.6 or 5.7 um they can 2017.1 yeah so that was what i, what I was getting at so if, <laughs> no, you're, five, if you're using Sorry, ah, sorry. <laughs> if you're using the older versions of uh, uh, Unity, then you uh, get a plugin in the in the asset store. If you're using 2017.1, the beta that's just been released, um, that is natively integrated into uh, Unity. So you just don't need necessarily to do anything. It's already activated by itself. Um, you have to you have to select kind of like you check a box and then you you get those um you get those extras, but then then again it's it's quite easy to get that to get that in. Nice. So it's getting easier and easier to have really awesome experience for developers themselves, right? You kind of can let your creativity flow out. Now, Unity uh, is very strongly based on assets, right? So that's kind of also the idea of VR. You have a lot of assets, you throw them together. So um, how much time would you, Josh, evaluate a person who has Unity experience but not much VR experience? Let's say three-people three team would need to make a really good indie game. In VR, what's the realistic time? I mean, it completely depends on the experience that they're trying to create. I mean, a lot of the stuff that's available on Steam right now, you would class as mini games, for example, uh, an experience that you maybe spend half an hour in. Where I've seen a lot of developers recently that are building five, six, seven, ten-hour games that you would spend hours in. So it completely depends on on that experience, but it also doesn't have to be hyper-realistic. Like I've seen some amazing VR projects that are made with low poly assets, uh, found on the asset store or are made um, just by like one junior artist by themselves. Mm -hmm. Or you could even make a 2D game where they're all billboarded. Sure, it, it completely depends. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the main thing about VR is not treating it as another like 
a platform that they've already developed for. It's a brand new platform mm-hmm. and people have to try a lot of game jam games and try a lot of things that are going to fail first. Mm-hmm. Like try different forms of locomotion, try forms of different input and they will learn what works and what doesn't and getting many, many people to play and test and, and give feedback is really, really key right now. And that's where some of the big players, if you look at what uh, Alchemy guys have done, they've been in VR for quite some time and they've kind of mastered that kind of low poly cartoon mm-hmm. fun input uh, non-realistic game. Yeah. Now the podcast is called Research VR and I know that NVIDIA offers some support for researchers with GPUs. You have mm-hmm. some kind of uh, program for that. Yep. Do you at Unity have any support for Unity being used in science? Yeah, so we've got a, a few competitions. Uh, one's just closed actually for our editor VR. So uh, we we created a, a thing called Editor VR where you can actually be in the engine, in the editor, mm. in VR. So you can see all the inspector values, you can change the hierarchy and move your scene around, and then you can play the game. So there's no barrier between having a headset on and having it off and developing mm. and uh, coding away. You can all do it in the headset. Uh, so we opened a big competition up for that, for people to build editor extensions on top of Editor VR. And we've got other competitions right now with HoloLens, with with a partnership with Microsoft, for people in industry, people in science, people in research, to make uh, and submit HoloLens applications mm, for impressive. a competition. Is NVIDIA doing anything else besides the GPU uh, offering for really great ideas? Do you push somehow science? Do you maybe have some kind of hackathons you give kind of speeches to support? Does NVIDIA uh, offer anything else for scientists as support? except for those GPUs they occasionally give to very good teams? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're supporting hackathons when, it, when, when, when we can, when we see value being, being added, not only in virtual reality, but also in, in different parts. Um, we do have existing programs running with universities. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, a, there's, a general, there's, there's generally a lot, of, uh, a lot of knowledge being shared and, and a lot of yeah. support. I mean, G- GPU technology and rendering technology essentially is very scientifically driven it is yeah. it, it, essentially it's a mathematical problem that you're trying to solve and of course you're always looking at um sci- scientists to help um not only optimize the pipeline but also come up with rendering um techniques that will be used mm-hmm. in the future we've uh, we've also just announced just last week that we're introducing a new research fellowship program Ooh. so uh we've got a team called unity labs mm-hmm. Unity that look into research and kind of where the industry will be in five, ten years time, and we've merged that with our uh, AI and machine learning group. Uh, so now we're offering help to graduates and people in research. So head over to the Unity blog to to check that out. We'll link it in the Unity Labs channel. research page. Now, when we consider the last three to four months, what was your really game-changing VR experience, IR experience, something? That was really new to you. Like I see you have a Robo Rico t-shirt on, but I think it's a little older. Well, what did blow your mind? Except obviously for the dragon. The the hackathon dragon. <laughs> the hackathon dragon, yeah. <laughs> Still not public. That's a good, well, that's was a there anything that really changed like your perspective on something? Locomotion or storytelling? Like it's really hard to pick up, but pretty good question. So I really like Wilson's Heart, just from the way the storytelling was done. Um Apart, apart from that, the content pieces that are out there uh, 
could evolve a little bit quicker, but that also comes again with hardware. Yeah. So so actually, it's not in the last three months, but I've tried uh, the Knuckles controller at mm -hmm. uh, Steam Dev Days, which was last year, and that definitely that definitely was one of those moments where I was, okay, we're still on a, on the right track. This is this is gonna be yeah. a future a a a industry that's gonna be driven by innovation, and there's a ton of stuff happening. And those Knuckles controllers, they actually open up gameplay possibilities. Definitely. So. Um, Gabe Newell from Valve said that they are now working on three full games for virtual reality, and those games will be m developed in, um, in, a, in in conjunction with the hardware that they're building for virtual reality. Mm. So essentially, what they they're going for kind of like a Nintendo-like model now, mm -hmm. where Nintendo uh, has uh, builds the hardware, and it's oftentimes a very specific type of hardware. It has a certain twist or it's different from other platforms and then they use that twist or that difference to, to put the, to put some great games together with that and nintendo's success comes strongly from the fact that they are that they, they are working on those things in conjunction so the the the, 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 the best games for nintendo uh, uh, platforms are usually coming from nintendo directly mm -hmm. because they have that large yeah. that large overlap between hardware and software and Basically i think understanding and yeah. i think that's going to be very interesting for valve as well where they are in that position now where they can come up with amazing new hardware and then use that hardware in the best possible way mm -hmm. i'd say that the highlight for me over the past three to six months is not any experiences themselves but talking to consumers mm. and talking to people who are genuinely excited about the future of vr but not in the technology space like us, not as privileged position to have all of this hardware. But general people, where I take my Vive home to my housemates or I take my Oculus to my, back to my family or I take a Gear VR to the pub and mm -hmm. let people play it and they buy me pints for, for a go of the <laughs> no, look, Gear VR, right? You just gave away a good tip. But just that type of conversation with people who are genuinely excited and want to have these experiences is... It's one of the most refreshing things for me. Yeah. You just you just reminded me of a of a, actually a pretty revelating uh, thing that happened. I was in in Stockholm with my family, and we were sitting at the airport because the plane was delayed. And I like randomly listened in on on some of the conversations happening around me. And one of the girl, there was like a group of girls just talking about virtual reality. And I was like, okay, these are nerds. There's like, what's happening? And then that was kind of the moment, it's one of those moments where you realize, hey, virtual reality is not only just happening at Digility, for example, and in the offices of Unity or, or NVIDIA, it's actually starting to become generally known and people are getting more and more excited about that, which is really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's even shown in so much popular culture now, if you watch yeah. like Silicon Valley or Big Bang Theory or things like this, people are now aware of it in, in popular culture. I mean, even Joe Rogan and other big podcasters occasionally talk about it. It kind of always strikes me as reading those newspaper articles from local newspapers about VR, and like really old, out of date, kind of weird description. It would be like three, four years ago appropriate. But at least they're writing about it, and people know it, right? Which is already a great game changer. And wouldn't uh, you both kind of can predict the future, I assume? I assume it now. It's a premise I... Have now set and wait, wait a second. I've got my crystal ball here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just get it out. Mobile versus desktop, um, um, augmented reality versus mixed reality versus vir virtual reality, holographic versus uh, spatial computing, or how do you call it, uh, ambient computing, whatever. Mm -hmm. What's the future? 
Well, it's it's funny because at Digility, um, it's both virtual reality and augmented reality. Yeah. So that kind of discussion comes up a lot, and um, it's hard. It's really hard to predict. I think AR has more chances to become like a truly pervasive technology where it's everyday use. Um, you just bring it along on a train. You have it on your on your face or in your pocket. Um, it it really it's really something that could be could be like an everyday thing. Whereas mm-hmm. virtual reality is still kind of an not and not necessarily only entertainment, but something where you where you go you sit at home and then you fire up your desktop PC and then you have that that great experience. Um, but it's not gonna be like an everyday all day thing if you if you ask me because that's not what virtual reality is good is good uh, yeah. really good at just Vir- enhancing something right exactly and so, so certain moments yeah that's how I would see too yeah what? I think virtual reality is amazing for entertainment and taking people to a new place yeah. But in our daily lives, we can't we can't be transported into a new place. We need to to be st- still what, what mm. carry on what we're doing, right? But with AR, there's so much possibilities for collaboration, sharing, and just helping our daily life. Even just like sitting with a Hololens at your desk with different panes like all around, with like Skype or the internet browser, or like a dog sat next to you, or anything like this that can really help your daily life no that's for sure now there is a question i'm trying to formulate since the last podcast and i will try to formulate it this time better mm, what would you expect from young scientists to work on in order to benefit vr what is missing in terms of understanding vr what kind of technology can scientists research to help vr and what kind of um, groundbreaking things you would expect from science to come to enhance this whole Everything that it has to do with the human perception system yeah. would be my would be my answer. Um, we have barely touched the surface of how you can essentially use the 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 um, faults and the little errors in the human perception system. So optical um, illusions and all kind of ways to those kind it. of things. My my favorite example is of course uh, foveated rendering, yes. where it's it's really crazy if you look at a foveated rendering demo and for those for those listeners who, who are not aware of that foveated rendering is where you use eye tracking to take a look at where the user is looking at that particular moment and then you um you only drive um you only render that part the fovea of the of the of the user's view you only render that part in high resolution and all the all the surrounding parts are actually uh, re- rendered at lower resolution so essentially look blurry and the funny thing is, if you look at a at a foveated rendering demo on a screen, the 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 difference is so striking. Like you can easy, very easily tell that the rest of the image is low resolution. But you can't but perceive if it. But if you're looking at it in uh, through a virtual reality headset mm-hmm. with an with an with an eye tracker, it's really astonishing how crazy your brain can get tricked. By using technologies like that, so and, and that and that uh, that relates to all the other parts of the human perception system as well. So whether it's audio or touch or um, things like that, we don't necessarily completely understand the process yet, and also don't understand the um, the advantages we could generate out of that. Cognitive scientists unite and solve those problems. What's your stance on it, Josh? Uh, for me, one of the things that needs to improve. Uh, is locomotion mm. uh, ways that we can feel as though we're in a vast landscape, but in a five by five living room, right? So instead of using teleportation or quick movement or just 
small any, tiny any, black holes, that, small tiny yeah, black yeah. holes warping you around the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the human perception of them moving constantly in one yeah. one small space, but moving forever. This would be exciting. And then I also think just more advancements in hardware, such as controllers or haptic feedback, or there's so many awesome things I've seen recently that that can go B to B, and maybe eventually some of those might go consumer, yeah. but. Uh, haptic feedback is is one of those which I've been really impressed with recently. Yeah, like haptic tr- feedback yeah. jackets. Yeah, you, you can trick the brain into thinking you do a lot of things. Like we were recently sitting with a colleague of mine just thinking, why don't you put kind of a gyroscope? I have like this weird ball that you spin inside and you train your wrist with it mm-hmm. and it kind of pushes your wrist like it's called some kind of magic ball. Whatever. It trains your wrist when you type a lot. I kind of thought, why don't you just put a huge motor inside a controller that will like, spin very fast when you have to perform certain movements like left and right with your hand, you kind of feel this pressure, like because of the gyro forces, whatever. But that just sounds all way too difficult. And a lot of things that I saw, like even this crazy machine I once tried in San Francisco, where you stick your hand in, there is some kind of rubber glove and it can let you feel cold, warms on your skin and a small deer running around and mm-hmm. whatever. So it's awesome, but it's huge. And I mean, I barely can imagine that anyone will pay for it. Like honestly, paying. Like, and I don't even know how Sony manages to sell those gun holsters for the PSVR. Like, I would assume that consumers are even too lazy to buy gun holsters, you know, where you put those two controllers in to hold it with your two hands. They would just buy the system. So, I, I honestly think that in that regard, I would totally agree with you, Josh, that really we need to have sm- smarter and cooler controllers and obviously also improve the locomotion and obviously also make the hardware better. But is there any kind of crazy ideas you have about BCI? About you know <laughs> the the crazy? I actually like your gyroscopically stabilizing controller <laughs> thing. <laughs> that, that that I could imagine somebody make that work. Um, Since they used one something similar on the head, I would definitely research it and hopefully put it in the show notes where they put some kind of gyro um, force enhancing creating device on your head. Okay, on your head, and when you would move your head around it would kind of fake either rotation or it would fake something else so one of your senses would be tricked i think it either prevented motion sickness or prevented something else i would definitely find it but this existed but obviously it's way too difficult i i I also want somebody to come up with a galvanic vestibular stimulation system so that's where you where you send electrical currents to your inner ear to change the way you're perceiving uh, motion so it changes your proprioception, and that is it's it's probably a little bit of a of a dangerous thing to do Why? with consumer markets. Well, you're that's sending. That's, I just said you're sending electrical currents through your brain. Well, so look, you just take a menu, you write in it. Don't put a cat into microwave. Don't put a dog into microwave, and you list all kind of pets, and you're safe against people microwaving their dogs. Yeah. The same here. You just say to them, don't stick it in your ear too much, or you will get current shocks, or your brain I might damage when you use it more than thirty minutes per day. I don't know. I mean, it's it's similar to your example from the from the con- from the PSVR controller. Is if it adds to the experience, then people are willing to 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 invest in that. And I think other types of hardware, whether it's galvanical galvanic vestibular stimulation or whatever, as long as they're safe and they truly add to the experience, then somebody will will probably develop a system. Should I make this episode eighteen plus? <laughs> We've got such a, such a far way to go as well. Like people are demanding this VR killer app already, Porn app and we're like what four years into 
pretty commercialized VR-ish, maybe two years into it. Yeah. Like, how long did we have the internet before Facebook came around? Or how long did we Very have long. smartphones before yeah. Uber or, like, sure. Snapchat no. came along, right? <laughs> it takes time. It like, takes time. It People takes can time. understand the paradigm, right? Exactly, yeah. So, researchers that are starting out now, yours could be the killer app in and then, five, and then also, ten years. Yeah, exactly. And what, what people are forgetting is that even if the killer app exists right now, you will not you will not be exactly. able to tell because the killer app is only the killer app if you if you look back in hindsight. Yes. So when Facebook came around, there were probably some people would have said, Hey, this this is really nice, but no one would have treated it as a as a killer app for the internet. Yes. Just like just actually the first killer app for the internet was email. Yeah. And when that came around, like people wouldn't people wouldn't realize that, hey, okay, I'm ca I can send texts back and forth. Yeah, sure. That's the killer app. So it's always in hindsight that you see those things. So yeah, we I mean, need to have a little bit of patience when absolutely. it comes to the VR killer app. Just remember that Apple tried to teach you how to pinch zoom. Like the first Apple devices that had this touchscreen, the iPhones, like this pinch zoom and you can move things around. People just didn't have this idea. Now they give an iPad to his three-year-old, he can perform better than his parents, but it used to be something different. And I mean, when you observe sometimes children and they try to make the parent who goes through it from to the house and they see through the window with two fingers bigger so it comes faster and it really changed the way we understand technology on a deep normal level compared to what happened before because before people were just thought okay you need to type and there are some abstract commands now smartphones became so easy my grandma can use it right so you know my grandma can use an iphone it's more intuitional and certainly i still prefer the keyboard and the proper procedure but it's also you know what do you need now I would imagine that VR kind of goes at ZUI, zero user interface, road, whatever, and starts to predict what you're doing and going in that direction and kind of enables you to be even more intuitive. Like it's something that you don't even need to advertise Pinch and Zoom, but you kind of go in and you do the same as in real life and it would work. Are we there someday? Exactly, yeah. When you go into a virtual reality experience, like you go into Job Simulator, right? Yeah. And you're in a store. And you know exactly what you need to do because isn't that ironic that the, like one of the most successful VR applications like everyone knows about it is a job simulator like literally simulating is a boring work you do at home at work but, it, work, but it's so work. intuitive you're like oh I can pick up the cereal oh I can pour it out onto the floor oh, I can take a mug and I can put it onto a photocopier and photocopies a mug should have integrated a beer opener to an iPhone this is the type of thing that sound double you just know you can do you're like sure. oh of course you can do this sure like I give. I let my six-year-old little boy on, on the Vive and I gave him a controller, put him in tilt brush and I was like, pull the trigger to paint. And he's like, okay. And then just did it and he did a picture of a dog or something like that. But yep. to give a six-year-old or however it's somebody and just say, you can draw in 3D. It's super intuitive yes. because people are just mimicking what they do in their daily life. True. Not, there's not this like level of abstraction between them and a phone that they have to type and touch. and. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. And pinch and zoom and stuff. It's give someone a controller and it's just mimicking what they do with their hands. I have to out myself. I will do it publicly now on this podcast. I will out myself. I hate touch screens. <laughs> <laughs> I really have so much terrible emotion using touch screens. But if they, can you still remember the old touch screens yes, where you like they were even more awful. like properly push in? Yes, and it was just weird. So actually, I no, they got better, but they still touch screens. Yeah, but they make they make they make human computer interaction easier. That's that's what I what I really think. I mean, using your hands to just type uh, to just tap something is is probably better than using a mouse, which is one more layer of abstraction. I agree. 
And that's actually the reason why I, why I think that, that um, virtual reality will change human-computer interaction on a very fundamental level because it's so intuitive. Like, you yeah. don't have to explain it. It's closer to what you are used to in the real world, so it's easier to adapt even for people who are not uh, technically well-educated. Well, well, well I mean, I most certainly believe so. This will potentially create an effect that reduces the uh, you know, educational gap and you know, create just more knowledge and people can talk even more to each other than before and kind of hopefully because of the empathy effects in VR be more nice to each other, who knows? Wouldn't be empathy and storytelling in VR a nice topic that should be researched by science? Like, I don't think there's truly one guidebook or like scientific proof how this particular story method creates this empathic feeling or how to create feelings actually, in VR there, at all. Actually, there, there are a couple of studies out there. So um, if you look at Skip Rizzo, it's probably the best, the best example for that. Um, he's been doing studies for 20-ish years um, on VR and how it changes user behavior. So how do you drive more empathy? Um, how do you fight paranoia or other fears? Things like that are scientifically... Um, That's true. Um, but they're very specific. That is, he's, he's coming from a very specific background. And I think he's also a cognitive scientist, yes, if, I'm, yes, if, yes. I'm, if I'm correct. Actually, as a professor, I had a chance to work with Peter König, knows him quite well. Hmm, nice. Yeah, and he's, he's always giving great insights in exactly those topics. Maybe we should also include his Wikipedia page in the show notes. Now, as we mentioned earlier before, the wolves are being slowly torn apart. Torn, the, wolves are sl the wolves are slowly being torn apart. We are floating in a weird galaxy full of particles like you would see in the Oculus first-time experience where you put this cassette on and the robot just kind of disintegrates and the whole world disintegrates. And I guess what I'm trying to say is we're coming to an end. Ah. Yes, that was a very long <laughs> speech. But before that, I will give you or I shall offer you an opportunity, no pressure, to say the last famous words on this episode. This episode. Is he going to kill us after this? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, <laughs> not going to make my flight into I'm not a sure if it's a threat or like a, like <laughs> no, a promise. No, no. I'm just kidding. Just, just share something interesting that you have in your mind that has maybe nothing to do with what we just said or maybe it has some well, weird random thoughts. Well, I'm just going to wrap this up as a, as a little bit of an overview of what, what Digility did and, um, and say that the European ecosystem in, in particular is is actually making some some very good advances so that is that is really nice to see because both both not josh and i are caring about the about the emir region so seeing that and having things like that happen on our side of the pond really really is really really great and then getting good examples from a hackathon where like experience experienced people like josh are actually saying this is a really cool app like somebody can build this within a couple of within a couple of hours um that's that's really really nice to see does it warm your heart up Love. Lovely. Going all nice and fuzzy inside. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, from me, I just want to say that people who are looking into VR development, thinking about developing that next killer app, uh, looking at ways to improve the ecosystem, uh, use a game engine. Not doesn't necessarily have to be Unity. I would love it if it was. Well, sincerely, I can but, just support you for that. It's so easy. If we're looking at one. if we're looking at real time three D interactive yep. software. Game engines a way to go, yes. and and uh, that's just the way it is. And then and then run it off the best GPUs that you can get. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely perform well, and they are nicely mobile available in the laptops. We occasionally use from Schenker in the company I work for. Whatever, we should stop plugging companies that we like and laugh. 
but yeah, because our, the Oregon I can laugh them and they don't need plugging. Our mission from the the outset, we we say this a lot, is to just to democratize game development. But yep. it's, it's not really just game development anymore. It's to democratize I the remember interactive it. industry. I remember last night I met someone from Ubisoft. I think um, I was giving their maybe a talk or something. It was like saying, "Oh my gosh, we at Ubisoft are kind of used to." That we are a big publisher, we go to a company like Unity and they don't necessarily answer us as fast as others because we kind of apparently like work similar with an indie developer as with Ubisoft. They are all the same to you, kind of their clients, right? I mean, not necessarily just the same. But you're like way more open to the indie guys than someone who is maybe in other engines. Is that something that is a true statement or? Well, I mean, yeah, every every developer, we chat to them and talk to them or their own merits, right? There's there's some amazing stories through the history of our company where like one kid like 15 years old turned up in a suit one day to Copenhagen and just said oh hey can I can I have a tour and York came which was like yeah come round and he our CTO showed him around the the Copenhagen office nice. he, he organized a family vacation to Copenhagen with his parents just so he could come to the unity office and meet people <laughs> oh nice and there's another example of like this six-year-old child at a conference and David Helgson sat down with him and was taking some time and everyone's like David you got you got some meetings he's like oh, I know but I'm talking to this kid and just we're, we're all people and like yeah. we're here to, to help everybody no matter what what, so what they are or who they do so um, you, I mean you might have noticed that this and the last episode have been a little bit chaotic our dear listeners and you know there are a lot of fairs and great ideas out there that we try to capture and it will definitely get more structured after the famous summer loch as we call it in German or oh, summer loch in English Summer holidays? Summer holidays, yeah. In English, it's more like a whole summer hole. You know, where everyone is gone. Anyway, we're all tired. We had a fucking awesome hackathon. We were pushing awesome ideas, and I guess without further ado, I would love to end this episode with a note that you should subscribe, tell friends about it, and you know, just have an awesome time enjoying listening to it. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you very much for having us. Thank yeah, you. it was a pleasure. Bye. <laughs>